Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everyone. Let's stand and begin to worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we bless your name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Just want to welcome each and every one of you to Christ Center Church, our Wednesday night Bible study. And those who are online, we welcome you. And I hope that you will listen and take heed to the word of God. Not just those who are online, but those who are here. Those of us who are here tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We are going to pray. And um, I just have a few points that we are going to pray about. And then I'm going to ask. We're going to pray for the spirit of God to have access in our lives. And pray for the unity of the body of Christ. We're going to ask God to help us to humble ourselves before him. So that he can use us for his kingdom and for his glory. And we're going to ask if anyone have any prayer requests to raise your hand. Those who are online, you can send it into the media. And we will be sure to, to pray for you. Hallelujah. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Let's worship him first. Let's give him some worship before we start praying. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. Lord, we adore you. Lord God, we lift you up. We magnify your holy name, Jesus. There is none like unto you, O God. Lord, we love and we worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hallelujah. And forget not all his benefits, Lord God. The good shepherd, the restorer of our souls. Hallelujah. The great illuminator, the bread of life, the comforter. Lord God, we appreciate you tonight. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God, for bringing us here another Wednesday night, mighty God. You are so faithful. Hallelujah. You are the God of God. You're the King of Kings. You're the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bow in reverence before you. Hallelujah. 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 The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show it is and the works. Hallelujah. Lord God, tonight we want to tap into your spirit. Oh, God, we want to tap into the things of God. Lord God, we want you to have access, oh God, to our lives. Hallelujah, Lord God. We don't want to control anything, Lord God. But God, because God, you are the head of our lives. You are the head one in charge. And so, Lord God, we want to yield ourselves to you, Lord God, totally, Lord Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Help us to humble ourselves before you, Lord. Hallelujah. Because, God, you will not walk with the proud nor the scornful. But, Lord God, those who humble themselves, Lord God, those are the ones, oh God, that you will use, Lord. So, God, I pray, oh God, that, Lord Jesus, we will, oh God, submit ourselves to you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And let you take over our lives. Hallelujah. So that, God, we can bear much fruit. Help us to take heed to your words, Lord God. Let your words form root within us, dear God. Oh, God, let not your words just go through one of our ears and go out through the other, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray, oh God, for all those who raise their hands. Hallelujah. God, you know it's everything, Lord God. And you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we're able to ask or even think. So, Lord God, I pray that you'll touch each and every one. I pray that you'll heal. I pray that you'll deliver. Oh, God, I pray that you'll save, Lord Jesus. I pray that you'll provide in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Breathe upon the service tonight. Breathe upon our pastor and continue to touch him. Continue to inspire him, Lord God. Strengthen him and his family, Lord God. Oh, God. Breathe upon our ministers and leaders and the saints of this church. Hallelujah, Lord God. Lord, we just want to worship you, Lord God. We just want to thank you for what you're doing, Lord God, and what you're about to do as we say thanks in your precious name. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
why we offer up our sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. What an awesome God we serve. So good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Good to be with all of you. Amen. God has just been too kind to us. What we, what we like to say, he's better to us than we are to ourselves. Even when we're trying to be good to ourselves, we still end up hurting ourselves. But when we're living for the Lord and we're trusting him, he shows us goodness that we could never, ever even imagine. So we thank God tonight. It's so good to see every one of you. Amen. On a Wednesday night. Hallelujah. Wednesday night we are in the house of the Lord. And uh, we thank God for his goodness. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, it's interesting. Technology holding us up right now. <laughs> How's that work, right? Technology of its time. Amen. But we're not going to worry about it because we're going to get where we got to get to tonight. Amen. If we got to sing another song. <laughs> Amen. If we got to sing another song, we'll get there. We'll get, <laughs> we'll get Brother Scarlett to come up. I don't know, when we used to do nursing homes, um, uh, there were some days there where Brother Scarlett got on the roll, and man, we'll be singing songs back to back to back, and we weren't the best singers, but we just enjoyed being at the nursing homes, and we just kept on singing, and God just kept doing his thing, and so that just made me think of Brother Scarlett just now, as we're thing, singing about, we bring the sacrifice of praise, and uh, I know that was one of our songs, God is great, and greatly to be praised, amen. Acts chapter 2, verse number 44, and then Acts chapter 6, verse number 1. Amen. We've been talking about discipleship, making disciples. And as you're preparing for us to read, I just want to make mention that making disciple is not for special people in the church, um, but making disciple is for every one of us who gets saved. And and, and it doesn't take any special skill to make a disciple. All you have to do is make sure you're a disciple. And that's enough. And if you know how to make a friend, then you can make a disciple. And I don't know which one of us in here tonight don't have a friend. I don't think that's really any of us. And so if you have a friend, you was able to make a friend, establish a friendship and so if you were able to pull that off, you can make a disciple. Acts chapter 2, verse number 44 says, And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily 
with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Here's a key portion of what we're reading. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And the Lord added. In Acts chapter 6, verse number 7. Sorry, I told you verse number 1. It's verse number 7. The Bible says, And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied. In Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So I want to point something out real quick to you, and we'll dig into it a little bit more. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says the Lord added. And in Acts chapter 6, it says the disciples multiplied. So we start out adding, and then we start multiplying after that. And so tonight we'll probably look and see how the addition process works. And how the multiplication process works. Because we're into the multiplication process right now. The added process was way back then. And so I want you to join with me tonight. We're still talking about making disciples. Tonight, our, uh, what I like to call our theme within the uh, topic is from addition to multiplication. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the body of Christ, your people. We have come together tonight because, Lord, we believe that you will speak to our hearts. We're here tonight, Lord, wanting to see a powerful move of your spirit in our lives. We want to grow. We want to be mature in you. And whatever we can do to help to expand the kingdom of God, we want to do. We want to be a part of what you're doing in this end time. And Lord, if you will just speak to us tonight, if you will equip us tonight, if you will, oh God, impart to us tonight what we need that we can make disciples, Lord, we look to you and yield ourselves with an open heart to say, do what you want to do in each and every one of us. We thank you and praise you for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. You may be seated. There is no such thing as a revival lottery. Our organization, our movement is good to wherever you hear, whatever uh, we hear the gospel message preach or the word of God preach within our movement, we probably will always hear them preach about revival. But there is no such thing as a revival lottery. There are no special formulas, secrets, or shortcuts to growth in a local church. Now, I got to tell you, some people have done that. Some people have, you know, done their own thing because, unfortunately, to some of us that God um, have chosen to lead and some that have put ourselves in position to lead, we think a crowd means that we're doing something. And unfortunately, 
we talked about this some other some some a few weeks back uh, toward the beginning of this year. I said God has called us to be faithful, and so while we have decided that you know a lot of people assembled together in the church that we might be pastoring, we we deem that as success. The question always will be asked: Are you faithful? And uh, people will gather together sometimes for various reasons. They will come from different walks of life for, again, for, for different reasons. But it does not mean that the church that we're leading is growing. But if we will be faithful, our church will grow. If we will be faithful, our church will grow. If you are truly growing the kingdom of God by making disciples, then I can tell you, plain and simple, in order to make disciples, it requires old-fashioned hard work. And if we want to really be honest and say, why do we think that we haven't seen the kind of results that we could possibly see in disciple making in this day and age. Why haven't we seen it? I think the simple question is we don't like hard work in this day and age. This day and age, we don't like hard work because uh, it's just not what we're accustomed to anymore. I I often wonder, I said, my goodness, Lord, what's going to happen, you know, 10, 20 years from now if you tarry? when we're talking about people that just want easy work to earn their money. You know, I never thought I would see the day. I remember when we talked about, um, I I learned this from the young people, where they call you a a social media celebrity or star to the point where you can make money from that. I didn't know you can make money from that. But if you become popular on social media and you have a lot of followers, all you have to do is just advertise somebody's product and your followers that sees will want the product if it's a product that they want. And so people are making money that kind of way just by being popular on social media. So for you parents that don't know that, you wonder sometimes why were the children so interested in certain things because they have been duped to think that they can get popular enough and they can start advertising product and therefore they would be paid that way. That doesn't take any work. And so there's a lot of things that is transpiring in this hour, in this age, that it doesn't require hard labor. And so we are not accustomed anymore to hard labor. And so I wonder, um, will we still have plumbers 20 years from now? I wonder if we will have, if we were going to have farmers 20 years from now. You know, like, what are we going to eat? Each other, probably. Because, 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 you know, farming is hard work. And it doesn't look like anybody want to do hard work. And so I don't know what's going to happen 20 years from now if um, we don't have people that decide I'm going to be a farmer. You know, I'm going to be a butcher. You know, stuff like that. that. Those are hard work, you know, to get an animal and kill it and, you know, do what you got to do to sell the meat. It's just we don't see those things anymore. You know, raising chickens, too hard. 
And so the question is, uh, will we still have people that believe in hard work? As a Christian, and you're part of the body, if you are going to make a disciple, it's flat out going to cost you some time and some effort. You're going to have to work hard at making a disciple. Have you ever wondered what the real reason was for the explosive growth in the first century church? The upper room where the church started on the day of Pentecost, the upper room started out with 120 people. Then later that day, 3,000 souls or 3,000 more souls were added to the Lord. Then 5,000, and then before you know it, the disciples started multiplying. So we started out with the addition of people being added to the Lord, added to the church. But later on, it became a multiplication process. How did the church go from addition to multiplication? Did they plan a large group event? Did they plan crusades? Did they do block parties? The day of Pentecost with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost was certainly a factor, but that event was divinely orchestrated and unplanned by the disciples. It appears the exponential growth of the early church was made possible because born-again believers were aggressively engaged in the daily process of making disciples. That's why the church exploded in exponential growth back then. I know it's hard to comprehend because it just makes sense that you get more people to come and you can grow quicker. And that's what we would think multiplication really is. But I've said it time and time again. If, if a, a, a bus, a 52-seater bus pulls up out front and... It's 52 people in there saying, we wanted to come to church really bad. We wanted to hear the gospel preach. How many of us is in here? How are we going to disciple them? How we would be effective? So the number, people can show up in numbers, but that doesn't mean they're a part of the body of Christ. People can show up in numbers, but does that, that doesn't mean that, that they're being discipled. And so numbers just of people just showing up doesn't help us and it doesn't bring about exponential growth. It's what God told us to do that will produce exponential growth, discipling people. And I just, I love this concept, not because the Lord introduced it to us, but because if you care, if you, if you care about relationship, have you asked yourself this, this, this is interesting. What do you think about relationships? I know everybody is not talkative. I know everybody is not friendly. But I've got to tell you, and I've always said this, if you're not one to understand, it's going to be by relationship that I'm going to spend eternity with Christ, then we've got to get that part straight. From the very beginning of human existence, this was always about relationship. It was never about anything else. And so our relationship with Christ is what's important, and our relationship with each other is what's important. 
And so it's essential and important that we understand the need to make sure we're, we, we, we establish relationships. And so whether that's re- relationship within the body of Christ or for sure relationship with someone that do not know Christ, we need to make sure we do everything we can to make ourselves relatable so we can have relationship. There is somebody out there that have your kind of personality type that you can befriend and begin to help to know Christ. So if you think you're not funny, there's somebody out there that's not funny. So that's no excuse to not to, to think that you don't make a relationship because that's just not your thing. It's all of us thing. We came from a relational God. So you have it in you, even though your personality may not be one that's outgoing and that's inviting. You have within you, especially if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have what it takes to make a relationship, to build a relationship. But this is about relationship, and making disciples is about relationship. I often watch something. I I watch all the time. I'm, I'm just a watcher of what's going on and people and all of that stuff. But I often watch how the world aggressively put in the time daily to accomplish what they are passionate about, and I wonder how come the church doesn't do the same. Very simple. Sitting back there in what's called my office now, sitting back there, and I started thinking, and I'm watching. We got some cameras up. We can look and we can watch. We can listen. And I'm watching everybody bringing their child or their, their children to ballet. How th- This ballet studio is open six days a week. Six days. And they, bring, they br- bring their kid for ballet because it's something that you're passionate about. If I said we're going to have church every day except for Saturday, y'all changing church. How do we expect to be effective if we are only showing up to where we get trained two times a week? The ballet studio, they show up six times a week to learn ballet because the competition is coming up in June or May, whichever time. And so that competition is coming. So they're training. So when competition comes, they're going to be great. What's, what's, what's up with us, the church? And I don't know what our excuse is going to be because the parents that's bringing those kids, they've got a job too. You know, we love to say, well, I work and I got a family. They bringing their kids to ballet, they work, got families. Just saying. Look at a high school or college athlete. Most of their time are spent practicing or playing the sport of their choice. They put a tremendous amount of time into what they are passionate about. So let me help you out a little bit. 
we, the church, may not attend church services five or six days out of the week. But we ought to be so passionate about the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom that we're always engaged in him and in his kingdom daily in making disciples. And I really understand what this truly can be about. We might not be assembling here, might not be assembling here five or six or seven days out of the week. But as Christians, it's our life. It's not, it's not we come here for a couple of hours and then, okay, we go about life. No, no. What we are is who we are in every situation and in every manner of life. So we, we don't punch in when we come here and then we punch out when we leave. This is what we are, who we are, always. So whether we're in our house, we're supposed to be Christians. Whether we're at church services, Christians. Driving in our car, Christians. I mean, we can go on and on and on. The other day, secret. I'm learning to be a better driver on the road. And so Tuesday morning, I'm driving to the train station to go get my train to go down to Philadelphia to my job and my neighbor across the street left out right before me. And so, you know, I know I normally push it a little bit down on, you know, 295, 95. And all I can think about is you still pass her. She's doing about 65. If you pass her, you know you're doing 80. You're a Christian. She know you're a Christian. She live across the street. What you going to do? Sixty miserably. I was driving 60 the whole time until I think she worked at Capitol Health. So as soon as she cut off to go to Capitol Health, as soon as I, I had to catch my train. I need to catch my train. <laughs> but my point is, we don't stop being Christians. And because we don't stop being Christians, we have to make sure we use every opportunity we have to demonstrate who we are. And part of that is making disciples. That's what will keep you continuously engaged without being in the house of God. So the question is, here we go, I give you an option. Either we have church seven days a week or we're going to make disciples and have church two days a week. What you want to do? Okay. <laughs> because we, because we have to, we, we can't do this part-time. This is not a part-time thing. This is our life. This is, this is how we're going to live when we get to heaven. Yeah, we're not going to make disciples when we get to heaven, but the lifestyle that we're living, this is what we're going to live eternally. And so we don't, you know, we're not on today and off tomorrow. We're on every day. So we need to do what we're supposed to do. And since we're not here seven days a week, we need to be making disciples when we're just going about our business. We can't get so locked in that we overlook who is next to us at work. Somebody asked me about this the other day. I said, 
Look around. Sometimes we overthink things. Sometimes we overthink it, overlook it, because sometimes the person that you need to be the person you need to disciple is working next to you every day. You go to work every day and you see them. And that's one individual that you should be befriending to make a disciple of because they're there. And don't take for granted that they know where you stand. Don't take for granted anything. Talk to them. But the biggest thing I believe that we have to do, because this is people. If we are not living our Christian life where we are enjoying it, it's hard to get people to start buying into it. If we show up at work and we show up no different from them, they stressed out, they upset, just had a fight with their spouse, and they're just going in there strapping, just coming in there upset, and that's how we showing up, we can't help them. They won't look our way. And so we have to sometimes realize that the situation that gets us worked up as Christians is not that serious. We know that personal disciple making was the model Jesus gave his disciples or gave his followers to reach the world. And according to the book of Acts, it worked well. It worked tremendous. But when did Jesus or Jesus' expectation of them not just to follow him, but to turn around and lead others when did that begin to sink in with his disciples? Because the bottom line is disciple making is someone following someone to eventually lead others. What do I mean by that? If you're making a disciple and you're helping someone to understand who the Lord is and, you know, you're modeling a good example and you're talking to them and you're teaching them, uh, and it doesn't have to be a a formal way of doing it. It can be informal because we can talk to people and you wouldn't believe the things that you can share with them and them not even realize what you're doing. You wouldn't believe. And so we are discipling people. But when we're discipling people, they're following us. But you have to put in your mind that this is temporary because it's coming where they will be discipled and now they will become the disciple maker, which means they become the leader and somebody will be following them. So we follow, we have people following us to eventually become leaders of others. Make sense? And so we see that in the book of Acts. We see that in many parts of the scripture. And so when did it dawn on the disciples <laughs> that, man, we're not just going to be following, following Jesus forever. We're following him, but there's coming a time where we're going to have to put some work in. In John chapter 1, verse 45, the scripture says, Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, come and see. Sometimes 
Just invite somebody to say, you got to come see what God is doing in my church. You might not be the one to make the disciple of that individual, but if you can get them where other disciples are, then one of the disciples may just hit it off with them and be able to take them under their wings. So sometimes all it takes is for you to give someone an invite to church to say, you have to come and see what God is doing in our church. Simple invite. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. Verse 50 is the verse I wanted to get to. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, thou believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. Jesus was telling Nathanael that while you're seeing great things right now, what I'm doing you will see greater things in the future. If Jesus is big enough to say, while I'm here with you, you might see great things, but in my absence, you're going to do greater things. If Jesus can do that, none of us in this room or any one of us as Christians should feel like we should always be the ones that's saying, I'm the one that's leading, I'm the one that's in charge, I'm the one that's always going to be used by God. No, we're bringing people alongside us, and eventually we have to let them do their thing, and very well they might do things that, quote-unquote, we might see that's greater than what we do. But it's all about the kingdom of God. And if we look at where we are and what we're doing as the kingdom of God, we won't try to, you know, have ownership of anything that we're doing. I just listened to something that um, Raymond Woodward was talking about, leadership and, and, and transition. And he says, every pastor is an interim pastor. Every one of us, whether it's pastor, minister, disciple, it's all interim. Sooner or later, we're going to die. So none of us are doing what we're doing for Christ forever in this earth. So we're all interim. And if we can look at it like that, we'll realize we don't have any ownership and we don't have any special hold on what we're doing because we're all interim in what we're doing. Jesus told Nathanael in verse 50, you will see greater things than these. Now that sounded really good, but it wasn't long until Jesus was not only saying that they would see greater things than these, but he began to say, most assuredly, I say unto you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. I believe in making discipleship, in making disciples, I believe if once we have befriended someone and they're following us and they're a little bit, you know, they're catching on, I believe that we will share with them that they're going to be great. It's, 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 
to, to tell somebody good things about themselves because you know God will do great, great things through people. We, we can't lack that. We have to be ready, ready, ready to do that. So you meet somebody and you're carrying them along. You got to be quick and say, Izzy, God's going to use you mightily. God's going to use you to do great things. You might be in awe in watching the things that I'm doing right now, but man, you have no idea how God will work through your life. And you might think this is something right now, but give it a little bit. You will see how great a thing that God will do through you. We need to talk to people like that. You're not lying. You're not making up stories. Because if people are faithful to God, God will do great things through them. So to tell someone how great are things that God will do in their life, you're not lying to them. You're not fluffing it up. God will if they're faithful. But sometimes we think that, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to say that because I don't know. Anybody that's faithful to God, God will do great things in their life. So you're not lying when you meet someone and, and, they, and they admire you as a Christian for you to turn to them and say, oh, baby, you don't understand. God wants to do great things in your life and probably even greater than what I see God will do in your life. All good. You didn't say anything wrong. You're not out of context. You are well within right to say that to someone that God can do great things in their life. We have to speak like that. We have to speak like that because that's what's going to encourage people to keep walking the walk, to, 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 to just keep the faith. We have no idea what people are going through on a daily basis. But when we can encourage them and tell them what God will do in their life, that will encourage them to keep going. I never forgot. I never forgot. <laughs> I was talking to my mom about this the other day, and it's, it's, it's interesting you know, you don't go around telling everybody what's going on in your life, whether good or bad. And I remember um, just being in church years ago, and every once in a while you get to the place where you ask yourself, am I really doing what I'm supposed to do? Is this thing going good? And, you know, I, you know, everything is not altogether the way I want it to be in my personal life. And so you got all of those thoughts going through your mind. And I remember... My pastor came out of the prayer room because the prayer room was on fire. It was a Sunday night. He came out of the prayer room. Prayer room was lit. And he just walked up to me. I knew he was in the Holy Ghost. He says, don't you worry about anything. God is getting ready to do something great in your life. You take it with a grain of salt, but it encouraged you for that moment. Because all you know is, man, that had to be God. Because, man, I'm <laughs> there's no way right now I think that. Because I'm not thinking that right now. But he certainly did get used by God to say that. And I held on to it until now you can think back and remember some of these things that was said to you. In John chapter 14, verse number 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. Because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. And so that's, if we want God to respond to our petitions in prayer, start making disciples. Start making disciples. Because when you start making disciples, you're going to pray different kind of prayers, and God will respond to those prayers because you will be asking God things according to his purpose for people's life, for him to bless them, for him to work in their life. But if, if we're just 
again, living our own life and then punch the clock when we come on Wednesday and Sunday, then we're going to be praying about our problems. More Christians pray about problems more than they pray about the kingdom. We need to pray about the things of the kingdom, not our problem. God said, hold him at his word. He said, seek ye first the kingdom. When you seek the kingdom first, your situation will get worked out. You might not be able to see how it's going to work out because it might be grave and it may be in trouble. And you might think, you know, this is just going to be a mess. And you can think all that you want to think about your situation. But I'm telling you the best way to clear up your problems, to work out your situation, is to seek first the kingdom of God. You're not the one cleaning up the situation. You're not the one that's making it right. It's Jesus that's making it right. But if you take on your problems on your shoulders and you try to make it work, you're just making a greater mess. The best way to clean up your problems is seek the kingdom first. I'm a living believer in testimony of that. I remember, I remember in my young marriage when I'm like, man, this marriage thing is no joke. I don't know what's going on here, but this is shaky. And I remember that, and then I, sat, I said to myself, though, I said to myself, this is, again, you learn the things of God. I said to myself, God, but I know you. I said, my marriage may be shaky. I don't know about it, but I know one thing about you. You are not going to let me help other people and you not help me. Come on, baby. Come on. you got to learn God. And so as much as it was shaky, I was on it. I was still seeking first the kingdom because I know if I did his will, he will get it all straightened out. He will make it all work, make it work real good and make it work real nice like it's working right now. <laughs> so, so, but, 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 but I was seeking the kingdom. I wasn't trying to fix up all that, needed, that, that I thought was wrong in my marriage. I ain't had time for that. I said, if she leave me, she's going to leave me while I'm serving God. Y'all, y'all quiet. You're getting real talk and you ain't, you ain't responding to real talk, huh? This is real talk. This is real talk. You got a pastor that's normal. You don't have no pastor that's walking in the spirit every day and ain't nothing ever go wrong in his life. I'm real deal Holyfield. <laughs> real deal Holyfield. Trust me. You can come to me because I, I don't whoop some devils and overcome some stuff. And so the bottom line is I just kept seeking the kingdom. That's my secret. So that's why I can tell that to you today. I kept seeking the kingdom no matter what was going on. Kids ain't acting right. I'm seeking the kingdom. That's how I go. Keep seeking the kingdom and he will work it out. Today, man, me and my kids, Awesome. We laugh and we joke about all of the crazy times. Well, they call it crazy times, but they're like, Dad, you was insane. <laughs> we joke about these things all the time now. Jesus began to steadily ramp up his expectations of his disciples. He not only told them they would eventually be doing what he was doing, but he sent them out to do it. In the process of making a disciple, we must make the disciple aware that they are following right now 
But in the time to come, they will become the one who will lead and make disciples. Let people know when they get fully engaged, like, listen, I'm helping you out to know your way in God, but eventually you'll be doing the same for somebody else. You let them know that so they realize there's a, people need to understand the end game to why they're doing what they're doing. If we don't let them know that, they're just walking, just trying to figure out what's going on. If The more information you can give people, the better it is for them as they continue their walk in Christ. Don't try to make people stay in the dark a whole lot. Give them information, especially in this day and age. Jesus' model for making disciples was this. He showed them how it's done. Then he had them help him. Then he sent them to do it. That was his model. The model for making disciples. Once you get them under your wing, you're showing them by you doing it. Okay? When, 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 when Brother White first came on, he still, I just talked to him the other day. He said, man, he said, I hate knocking doors. But you took me to knock doors, so I came. <laughs> so, so when I would go up to the doors and knock the doors, he didn't want to knock any doors. He said, I didn't like knocking doors. And all the time while he was following me, he didn't like knocking doors. But he was right there with me. And so when I'm knocking doors, I would knock doors. I would knock about five straight. And then I would say to the person that's with me, you want to do the next one? No, 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 I'm good. Okay. I'll knock the next one. I keep going. And after a while, I said, I think you can do it. You want to knock the next door? They knock the next door. And sometimes they knock the next door and somebody come out and their tongue is tied up. They don't know. And I just slide in. Hi, my name is Wayne. I'm from the local church. How are you today? We're in the neighborhood and we're praying for the community. But we just wanted to know if you were interested in anything that the church can do for you. And I start rattling off and they just listen to me. And the other person just kind of get back and like, I got you. But as we went through the process, they started getting more confident because they're like, okay, I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm going to try that. And so you show people how it's done. Then you have them help you. And when they get good at helping you, then you said, all right, now you go and do it. That's Jesus's model. And that's what he called us to do in making disciples. Almost there. Luke chapter 10. Verse number one says, this is the model. Watch the model after he has got them on the right track. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whether he himself would come. Did you miss that? Jesus sent his disciples where he would eventually meet them at. You want to go where Jesus tells you to go. Because Jesus is sending us to places that he will meet us at. Jesus was at Fort Tennis Court before we arrived. Because he sent us there. Come on, somebody. So wherever he's sending you, he will meet you there. You just got to make sure you know where he's sending you. You don't have to feel like you're going to be by yourself. If he sends you there, he will meet you there. Verse 2 says, therefore said he unto them. Watch this. Jesus said this, not people. The harvest truly is great, 
but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus said that. That's why I try to always include in my prayer, Lord, send laborers into your harvest. It's your harvest, Lord, and we need to reap it, but we need more laborers. This is why I'm talking about making disciples. God needs more laborers in his harvest. Listen, I want everybody to be busy in the church doing something because it helps to expand the kingdom of God just because of what people's understanding today is of the church. But if we want to get technical, a lot of stuff that we do in the church today never existed. That's just reality. Never existed. I understand that it's a good thing right now because it helps people get involved little by little. But it never existed. But you know what always existed? Making disciples. Making disciples always existed. Can't get away from that because that's how God planned to expand his kingdom. So that's why we need to pray for laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you forth as lamb among wolves. That's a scary thought. Jesus said, I send you forth as lamb among wolves. What can lambs do with wolves? But don't forget, wherever Jesus sends us, he's going to be there. So we don't have to fear anything. My God, help us. Carry neither purse nor strip nor shoes and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if the son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. So when you show up and you say, Lord, are you here? If you're here, let your peace be upon this house. When we knock door, that's a good thing to do. When we go and visit people, that's a good thing to do. Lord, let your peace be upon this house. And if you're here, let me know you're here because then peace will be in this house when I show up. If he's not there, the house is going to be chaotic. And that's when you just be nice enough to say, well, God bless you. And I hope to see you soon. And we'll talk again. And you leave because you can't help them. And in the same house remain eating and drinking. That's if the peace is there. <laughs> and in the same house remain eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house and into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you. Eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick that are therein. And say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. When we show up, the kingdom of God can manifest through us if we will just do the work that God tells us to do. Which is, we should be looking at people saying, man, Lord, show me how I can help them to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Show me how I can impact their life for the glory of God. In Luke 10, it is probably the moment that hit them that they were in training to do the things Jesus had been doing alone up to this point. This was the game changer for the disciples. They realized that they were not following just to follow. 
You're not coming to church just to come to church. Or should I say, you're not coming to the church service just to be at the church service because you're the church. Sometimes people listen to our messages and every once in a while I have to throw in the politically correct terminology. We are the church and we have church services. And so we're not just coming to church services just to say we were in church services. That's not why we do it. We're doing it for bigger purposes than that. We're doing it so we can receive instructions from God so we can go and carry it out and do what God wants us to do. Follow to lead. This simple concept is the reason for the dramatic growth in the first century church. When you have a follower, you have the power of one. But if you have a leader, you have the power of exponential growth. So when you begin to groom somebody and they go from follower to lead, now you have the potential of exponential growth because you've already been a leader. Now you created a new leader. The new leader is in the process of creating another leader and you're just multiplying and seeing exponential growth. All of us can do this. We're not just sitting in this building in our church service just to say, I showed up. We're doing it so we can be equipped to do the work that God has called us to do. If there was any secret to the success of the first century church in terms of the impact on the church in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth, it was their expectation of a disciple. They believed that a disciple was one who followed to eventually lead. Not one who got saved, came to church, and nodded in approval as the pastor went through the scriptures. That's not what it is. I couldn't pastor church like that. I know there's some pastors that's, that's okay with people getting saved, coming to the church service, and saying, that's a good word there, preacher, preach on. I just couldn't live with myself like that. Old time people say, those who know better, do better. And we know that God didn't call us to just come and sit on a chair, on a pew, on a bench, and just, that's just all we do. We just come to the building, and we have service, and we go back to our home, and go to other places, and do our other thing, and all we do is just show up for service. That's not what God called us to do. No, no, no. The disciple-making culture develops deeper spiritual maturity in the saints while reproducing their qualities in the lives of other believers. And so, again, I have to say this because this helped people, unfortunately. I, I will say unfortunately. In all that I'm saying, it sounds like work. In all that I'm saying, it sounds like I'm challenging you, and yes, both are true. And so a lot of times we don't start responding to stuff until there is something in it for us. It's just how we're built. I don't know what to tell you. And so what's in it for you? What's in it for you is you will grow spiritually. What's in it for you is the chances of you backsliding away and walking away from God is very minute when you get involved in making disciples. But if all you do is attend a church service, after a while, just because of our nature, you're going to feel like this is just repetitious. 
This is just repetition, and, and what is it yielding in my life? That's how people backslide all the time, and they don't realize it. Because we keep doing the same thing over and over, and we're not seeing anything change in our life, and we're just like, later for this. Well, we overlook the biggest thing that God wanted us to do, and that's why we backslid. We overlook the process of making disciples, of investing in other people's life, what somebody has helped us to receive ourselves. And so all we do is attend church service. Sooner or later, you will stop showing up. Sooner or later, you will stop showing up. If you had a de- if you're still young enough, you won't show up. The old people might still show up because they like to get around people and hang out, and so this is a good time for them. But some of the middle-aged and young, if you all you do is show up for a church service, sooner or later you stop showing up because it's it's going to make you feel like what is going on here. I'm just keep on doing the same thing over. But when you start making disciples, it changes your life. So part of what's going on is your life is being changed as you're helping to change somebody's life. That's why discipleship is so powerful. And you don't want to sit on it. You don't want to overlook it. And you don't want to think, oh, man, that's just, you know, for some people. Other people is just, you know, that's not what we do. Let's stand. Any questions before we dismiss here tonight about anything that I just said? Questions that might be burning and that you need to ask a a, a question so I can provide you with an answer if you have a question, anyone, about anything that I just talked about. No questions? We're all good? Okay. All right. Janice, it's good to see you on a Wednesday night. Janice, yes, I know. Janice, Janice, what do you want me to tell you? What do you want me to tell you? What do you want me to tell you? Tell your sister I called her name. Yeah, tell her I called her name. So it must mean she's supposed to be here too. <laughs> but it's good to see you. All right. If there's no questions, let's lift our hands to the heavens and thank the Lord. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Lord, we don't want this word to just fall on deaf ears or for it to go in our heart and not take root. But Father, I pray that every word that's been spoken here tonight that will edify others that will help us, Lord God, to be true disciple makers, that will help us, Lord God, to fulfill our purpose in you and to do the will of God. I pray that we will take a hold of the word of God, that, Lord, if we have to go back to the scriptures and look deeply to to, to learn more, that we will do so. But, Lord, we just want to fulfill the purpose of God for our lives. Lord, we look all around us and we see people dying in their sins. We see people who are living a life, Lord God, that's heading for destruction, Lord God. We see people, Lord God, who are ignorant as to who you are and ignorant concerning the kingdom, Lord. We look around and see the great need for people to know you and to become disciples of Christ. Lord, show us how we can have great impact in our world. Show us how we can help somebody come to the place of being a disciple. Lord, will you use us in whatsoever way you see necessary, in whatever way you desire, will you use us? 
Will your work in us? Will your work through us, Lord God? We yield ourselves to you and submit to your authority and submit to your will to say, Jesus, have your way in us. Jesus, do whatsoever you want with us. There's so many people, Lord God, that we can be a help to, that we can be a blessing to, that we may have overlooked. Will you bring them to our attention tonight? Will you allow us, Lord God, to see their faces in our prayer, Lord God? Will you allow us, Lord God, to understand who is crying out to you, Lord God, that we can go and touch them, Lord God, that we can go and encourage them, Lord, that we can go and build them up, Lord God, that we can go, Lord God, and befriend them, Lord God, and make disciples of them. Help us to be vigilant, Lord God. Help us to pay attention, Lord God, to walk in the Spirit and not in our flesh, Lord God. Help us to seek first the kingdom, Lord. Lord, we all have struggles. We all have challenges. We all go through trials, Lord God. But we know you can take care of those things. Help us to keep our focus on you and to seek the kingdom first. That, Lord, all that we need, you will take care of. I pray tonight that the word of God will resonate in our spirit and in our mind. That we, Lord God, will grow into full maturity in Jesus Christ. And Lord, go forward and be a disciple makers. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for being in the house of God one more time, Lord. Now as we go from this place, will you let your hands be upon us? Will you keep us from danger and harm? And Lord, I pray your protection that we will get home safely. Bless our families, Lord God. Bless them spiritually. Bless them emotionally, mentally, financially. Bless them, O oh God, with health and strength as we give you the praise and all the honor for you're so worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Let somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here and for listening to us. Brother Henry, Brother Scarlett, if you'd like to give to our building fund, God bless you.